think about how delicately you hold your baby, you dress your baby, and you feed your baby. We do that because they're adorable, of course, but also because their skin is delicate. Know this. There is only one diaper brand that we recommend to give you the gentle protective care your little one needs. And that's Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Their Swaddler's diaper absorbs wetness better versus the leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection to keep your baby's skin dry, healthy, and beautiful. And when you use Swaddler's in tandem with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, you'll keep your baby's skin healthy. The wipes are made from 100% plant-based cloth, and you won't have to worry about tearing. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. That's right. So download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to We Can Do Hard Things. Here we are together again. I have to just start by telling you all that all of us, Abby, Amanda, me, Alice, and Dina, we actually spent a lot of time listening to your voicemails over the last week. And I I truly don't know what to say to you. I love you so much. <laughs> I have not felt this connected to a community since the beginning when I started blogging. Like, I just love this community that is listening so much and your thoughts and your ideas and your responses and your stories are so deep and beautiful. And and I, so many of, many of you uh, called in after we had the talk about maybe we would lighten up and begged us not to lighten up, said, you want to keep talking about the hard things? You've come (laughs) to the right place. Yeah. I don't think that there's any other choice. Like, that's what we're going to do here. Well, if you notice that the easy things that we have said and claimed we were going to talk about ended up being hard things. That's right. We can't do easy. (laughs) We can't not really do easy. But we can make easy things hard. That's right. And we will continue. (laughs) We can promise that. We can promise that. And I just want to tell you that I, you know, I'm freshly reminded every time I listen to or read your stories or, you know, tell my own, frankly, about how tough life is, (laughs) about how freaking hard um, relationships, um, being a citizen of this world right now. Um, just existing inside of our own skin day in and day out, how hard it is. And um, I don't really know how to make it easier. I I just know that the only thing that's ever worked for me is to um, keep telling the truth about that, you know? Mm -hmm. So I, I don't, all I can promise you is that we will keep showing up. We're going to keep showing up here. Um, That's our promise to you. You will have a place to come and um, listen to all of the messy gloriousness of life and we'll do it together. That's all we've got. But I think that might be all we need. Right? Amen. Good. So 
Y'all, you are now California, California folks. How is it going out yes. there? You've had, you've had what? Almost three weeks now, four weeks now, something no, like that? No, seven weeks. Seven. Think, oh my I think we've God. been here for seven weeks. Yeah. I, I, I have so many thoughts that you will be shocked. You'll be shocked that I've thought this through (laughs) and I have things to share about. I mean, I, um, I have to tell you this when we first came to visit here, when we were really considering a move. So we're standing in the street of this cute little neighborhood in California, trying to figure out where we're going to live. Okay. So Abby and I are standing and we're waiting for the real estate agent. We're just standing there. This woman bounces out of her house, okay? And she looks like something urgent is happening. So Abby and I's attention go immediately to her. She walks out into the middle of the street, stays six feet apart from us, okay? Because California is nothing if not extremely responsible about things such as this, okay? She says, are you Glennon? And I said, yes, I am Glennon. And she said, okay, um... I have to tell you that I am sitting right there, and she points to her porch, finishing your book, Untamed, right now. Like, I literally finished the last page of your book, looked up, and saw you standing (laughs) in the middle of the street. And I said, oh, I know. That's why I'm here. I come to everybody's house when they're done. (laughs) With the book. Yeah, she really said this. This actually came out of her mouth. So that we can just talk about your feelings. Like if you have any feelings after the book or you need to talk, like I just make sure that I show up. And she just stared at me for a good minute. Like she was actually contemplating this um, possibility. And then she kind of smirked. But that was my kind of welcome to California. And I... Here's the deal. I feel like I wrote Untamed and I was like, okay, this is who I am. I know who I am now and I'm an introvert and I am a little cranky and I am need all these boundaries and I this is and I am going to just make my boundaries and live this way, right? And then I realized that I was getting kind of too boundaried. I think we talked about this in the boundary episode, right? Mm-hmm. That I just I felt myself feeling it was like the more boundaries I made for myself, the more anxious I was getting, not less. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so I I just felt like you know, I see some older people and I just feel like I felt like I just want to fight the urge to um make my life a bunker. If that means, if that makes sense. Like living where we were living felt a little bit like building a bunker and I needed to to fight this like self that I have that given its Druthers would just never leave the house, would not know anyone, would not put myself out there, would not. So we moved to this place where, I mean, you all, we live, our houses are like right next to other houses. We have no yard. We have no, we are, we are basically in what to me might as well be New York City. (laughs) Okay. There are people everywhere. Abby was scared. Were you scared that I might lose my mind more? Yeah. I mean, your anxiety, we were talking about this the other day. You you give me some of that because I know how you are in social situations. So I get anxiety about you getting anxiety. Yes. I have give, anxiety can be contagious. Yes. I, I got have, it. Yeah. Yeah. I and was I worried s- for sure. 
Yeah. And so I, sister, I just feel this, this amazing awe and joy because I love it. Yay. I am surrounded by people all the time. I hear the buzzing of the cars and the people walking by constantly. I walk outside of my house and I don't have a yard and it makes me feel like, oh, I see we're sharing this space. We are all sharing. It's like, I don't know how to explain it other than when you have, it's almost like the the idea of suburbia compared to city. It's like when you think that you have land ownership, you think that's going to give you more peace and then it actually gives you less because then you have something, then you have to defend what you have and it's mm-hmm. yours. And then it's like more fences, more gates, more whatever. And you think that's going to make you feel less scared. But all I can tell you is like, to me, where we were living before is like stand your ground area, right? It's the like, it's literally, that taken to extreme. Literally, literally. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's st- it was stand your ground. So it's that taken to the extreme, mm-hmm. like more fences, more boundaries, more walls, more weapons, more whatever will make us safer and from each other. And it made me I didn't like, I was starting to feel that. And I just, do you know what I mean? And now we're here and like, everything's communal. It's like, we're sharing. There's no control. You don't try to have control because there's clearly no chance. Mm -hmm. It's like, if I can't control it, I don't try. And it feels, I don't know. And I just, I'm, you know, I'm 45. Like I like thought that I knew who I was. And so it's so cool to like have this experience of, you know, it it feels like, well, we make our environments based on who we are, Mm -hmm. but actually also our environments help define who we are, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? Like I have changed my environment and it's, it feels like it's changing who I am. And then we, um, we have, we've been having like things with friends Mm-hmm. We've been trying social Yeah, how has that been going? Well, I've discovered this unbelievable situation, which is that you can start what you want for your social life from scratch. Like, we got this invitation to this get-together, and it said, come over, we're having a little party, and it's from five to eight. Oh, amen. Okay. Sister, I was like, wait a minute what? Like you can tell people when to leave. Like this has changed everything we've done since then. We put Mm -hmm. an end time on, like you can come, can you come at four and can you leave by seven? Like, can I'm going to come, we'll come, we're going to be there at six and we're going to leave at eight 30. And it might be a little weird at the beginning, just because, and it's only weird because people don't do that Mm -hmm. normal, normally, but most of a social engagement I spend feeling anxious that no one's going to leave. Yeah. Or, or if I'm there that I, when do I get to leave? Like I need, my entire life is really about getting back to the couch, Mm -hmm. right? Like Mm -hmm. my entire day, my entire life is really aimed towards when can I be back done with what I need to do and be on my couch Really not even watching a show, just flipping through, trying to find a show, something. I don't know. And if you're out like with a friend or at a party or something, then you're also navigating trying to be polite and not wanting Uh, to leave too early or not wanting to stay too long. Like 
these are things that people are going through internally. I mean, I know it because you are. I don't really ever think about this stuff. I'm like, I don't want to be here anymore. Do you want to go? But you're always thinking about not hurting anyone's feelings. feelings. Yeah. Your feelings and the kids' feelings and all that. Like, you're much better at that than I am. Or also maybe a little worse. I don't know if it's better or worse. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It has its challenges. And, but my point about this is that we can. You know, what we come back to all the time, this idea in my life that is relentless, that structure liberates. Amen. Having a structure for social things has liberated me to feel, to enjoy it, right? So so I just am putting out permission to add an end time to your social invites. Also, sister, we, we, we don't like nighttime. We're non-drinkers. We're early bedtime people. And I don't like this thing where all social engagements have to be at night. Mm -hmm. Yesterday morning, we had an an unbelievable like double date with this new two women. And and they came at 8 a.m. They came to our house at 8 a.m. and just hung out for a few hours. And then why not? Why Why not not coffee? I'm not good at night. It's an arbitrary time. This goes, I know we're talking more about sexuality too today. And I feel like that goes with the arbitrary assignment of nighttime to make out. That was a silly way to start things. Oh, it doesn't work. It's not, it's not, it's not my best moment is at the nighttime. So why, why not other times as better times than that? So yes, that, that (laughs) I think I I'm in support of that. I like that. Okay, that's a good segue, sister, because what I'm saying is just like we talked about with sexuality is we can ask ourselves who we are socially, Mm -hmm. right? Yes. What kind of social being am I? Like, am I not a social being or do I just not like nighttime parties? Yes. Because actually I loved our date yesterday, Abby. Did you like- I love the it. morning. And, you know, we what we talk about all the time is nothing good ever happens after 10 p.m. Or eight. S- sleep is what happens <laughs> after 10 p.m. Like that's good. <laughs> that was like when you texted the um last night from bed and it we're three mm. hours later than you. So it was, you know, it was 10 o'clock my time, and you texted a selfie from your bed. And I was like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Isn't it 7 p.m. Where, where you are? When the yeah. when the kids are at Craig's, we're in bed at And seven. you said, it's oh, seven. yes, it is. But don't worry. We're going to bed right now. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I've never heard of such a people. They're literally in bed at 7 o'clock, the hour mm-hmm. of our Lord, going to yeah. bed. Yeah. I have to tell you. Because well, Glennon's up at 4 a.m. making this content and thinking about <laughs> books and how God. to save the world or set the world on fire. Well, One I do those. not, I'm not following other people's structures, not for sex, not for social things, not even other people's, what do you not call it? Not even the sun. Rhythm. Not even the not, sun. <laughs> she doesn't respect the sun. Stop trying to boss me, <laughs> All son. All of you just keep on going along with dawn to dusk, not Glennon. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Look, I resent. I resent the sun and all of its insistence on trying to control my life. With it comes an immense amount of privilege, right? We don't have little kids, right? Anymore, like sister, right. yeah, sister, you're you're consumed with small children, and your life and your the rhythm of your life is so different. So we're we're kind of in a beautiful phase where our kids are old enough and they sleep until 
12. Yeah. God, that's yeah, good. That's a dream. That's Babe, I want to hear all about you. And can you just give us a quick update on how you're feeling about California? I know I talked too long. I'm sorry. I just felt really excited about all these new selves. About I'm me? Uncovering. Yeah. Like, how are you feeling about California? I'm loving California. And um, the whole thing that I feel is just relieved that you trusted me and that you actually love it. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, the fact really remains is that I am now experiencing California in a completely different way than I did before. I was more of a night owl, um, not sober. And so I didn't experience the daytime quite like I'm experiencing <laughs> or, right or, now. Or, cl- or clarity or health or exactly. vision. Or, clarity or, right. or um, so our family has become a surfing family, which mm-hmm. I also didn't anticipate. It's just mm-hmm. so cool. Like there is there's some there's some miracle that happens when you're able to do a similar athletic slash risky slash spiritual thing with your kids at the exact same time. Mm. And then they try to take a wave. And all you know is that when they go down under the water and they come up, they're gonna their body's already turned to look at you. Mm. And they want to make sure that you've seen them do that thing that they just learned how to do in like the last month. There's there's, I don't know, there's nothing, it is a fucking miracle every mm-hmm. single time to me. And, you know, I actually, I choose not to catch that next wave. Like, it's a good wave. I'm like, <laughs> oh, I could get that because I am dying to see Chase and Emma and Tish, like, come out of the water and light up and just, like, have that, like, did you see that? You know? Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, it's just, that's been just, like, worth every ounce of energy it took us to get here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and earned penny. It's been, it's been awesome. So beautiful. And if you all could listening, if you could just see Craig Melton on his longboard oh out there God. in the California, I mean, Craig is living his best life. Yes, he is. We are all so here for it. He's just, I don't know. He just seems, does he just seem like, like even sunshinier? Like he just yeah. feels, he seems more alive and you all know. of us are. Every single one of us are more alive. We're all walking around. We're we're moving our bodies differently. We're like experiencing the world. There's just something about this place that I think has brought all of us back to life in a way that I don't even think we knew that we weren't alive. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I thought, I think in Florida, I was like, wow, I'm living my best life. And mm-hmm. like now I'm in California. I'm like, wow, I really wasn't. Isn't it interesting? Yeah, and I think it's like change. It's like it's change. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. You know, insert California here, but it could be whatever it is. It's just like trying mm-hmm. on something new of your life and seeing what takes. Is it mm-hmm. very cool? And I think that I would bet that it's not even has not. It doesn't have everything to do with where we are. It's the. It's the uh, presence. That it's like why some people love to travel mm-hmm. or, you know, there's when you're in a, in the same, 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 it doesn't require all of you to, to make it through the day. But when you're traveling or you're in a new place or you're trying a new experience, it takes all of your presence. You have to be there to, to, to navigate. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that aliveness is probably that that's an aliveness that can be cultivated by trying anything new. Yes. Yep. And you're expecting new things. I mean, yeah. even when you're in an old 
or, you know, static environment, there's new stuff happening all around you, but you're not expecting mm-hmm. it to be new. So you're not noticing any of it. You know, yeah. it's like when you're in a yeah. place where you're expecting to be full of wonder and and experiencing new things, you will. Yeah. Okay, so you know I love good wordplay. And Third Love is crushing their wordplay here. When you have a bra that pinches or slips or just isn't comfortable at all or is comfortable but isn't your style, you've got problems. <laughs> How excited was Third Love when they thought of problems? Well done, Third Love. I see you. When you wear Third Love bras, You've got no problems. They fix the problem of size exclusivity with their famous half cup sizes that revolutionized the industry by giving more options to find a bra that fits. And they fixed the problem of guessing what bra will fit you with their virtual fitting room and other helpful guides. A bra size chart, a bra 101 education section that's basically an FAQ for all your burning questions, and a ton of great reviews from real people. My sister just texted me 99 problems, but pinching isn't one. It's time to get your problem solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get $15 off your order with code podcast15. Okay. Speaking of wonder and experiencing new things, let's Let's answer some sexuality questions. Let's do it. From our amazing episode on Tuesday. I loved it so much. Who are we hearing from first? We are hearing from Sasha. Hi, my name is Sasha. I have a question about, I guess, truth. It's kind of a big one, but I'm a queer woman. I dated mostly men. Uh, I'm in a really strong partnership now with a man um, and I appreciate that. And I'm also scared that if I don't, I know it's dumb. If I don't use this queer side of me, or if I'm in a relationship that doesn't look like this queer side of me, then I'm not being true to myself. And that will come back to get me later. Um, so I'd love to know what you think about that. Thanks for taking this call. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. We hear versions of this question a lot, don't we, babe? Mm-hmm. About people who either, um, you know, are bisexual or are queer or pansexual, choose a partner and then worry that um, and a part of themselves will forever be um, unexpressed, unexplored. Some people don't feel that way at all. Some people choose a partner and feel like their entire sexuality can be funneled and channeled with that person. And, um, what do you all think? What do, what do, first of all, I love that Sasha's so honest Mm -hmm. with herself and I, I don't know. I think she sounds lovely. I like her. What do you all think? I think that, um, I think that it it would be interesting to like pull the pod squatters uh, in terms of their age uh, and the generations, if you are in fact queer, um, generationally, I think that the mindset around this is very different, right? Mm-hmm. So I, w- 
you know, I'm like the older gay crowd, <laughs> um, kind of grew up feeling really um, a lot for the bisexual queer community because I grew up in a time where you had to choose and that um, trans and bisexual people actually got the worst of, of the wrath in many ways, even from the folks who claim themselves to be gay or lesbian. Um, because we, we felt like, well, if you are it, then just be on our side. Mm -hmm. Right. Or like, you just can't decide. Choose like, a side. Choose, choose a pick one. You're either you know? with us or against us. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I think that that's, that's, <laughs> that's really not, not only naive, but it's short-sighting, uh, it's short-sighted and narrowing to the full experience that people mm -hmm. A, want to have and B, feel that they mm -hmm. are having. Um, I've got a lot of trauma around this because I historically only dated bisexual women that ended up always leaving me for men, right? Mm. So there's also that part of me that I have to like be super upfront and honest about. And and quite frankly, we had dinner last night with a, a person who was like, sexuality, like it, it's more fluid. Like our generation is just like, you are what you are every night of the mm. week. Like whatever you choose, and if you are in a committed, wonderful partnership, that doesn't mean that that's going to be forever or it does if that's what you choose. Right. Like, I, I think that we're in a time where you get to make your choice day in and day out um, for what feels right. Uh, and I also know that generationally, all of us have kind of opinions based on mm -hmm. our own experience and what we grew up with. I just think queerness means a whole lot more than just like. I'm into the other gender too. And I don't know how to yes. explain it. I just feel mm -hmm. like queerness is a whole way. And like, it's a whole way of being in the world. It's it's why people, you know, really the, the love is love thing bothers people so much because it's not all about relationship. It's about identity. Yeah. It's about mm -hmm. like who we are in the world, how we think, how we move, how we fit in and don't, who we hang out with, how we, you know, mm -hmm. see everything. So you get to claim that that's part of your identity. It doesn't have to all be relational, mm -hmm. right? You never have to abandon that regardless of who you choose to partner with. And I think one of the things to commit to inside of a relationship is just, I don't know why I want to say this, Sasha, but just like talk about it, mm -hmm. right? Like I think like intimacy with a partner comes also with just like making your insides known you know, so not feeling afraid to share all, some of this fear and like confusion and whatever with your partner, because you ne you just never know what magic will come, you know, ways that your relationship can get queered is what I want to say. That doesn't even have to do with other partners. I don't know. I just think that expressing that identity in all the ways that it means to Sasha is just something that she should never, ident never abandon and never think that she has to based on who she chooses to partner with. And know and know the receiving end, right? Like, the part your partner might feel fear around that. I I, I feel that like because of the trauma that I've had in my relationships around queerness, and it, of course it's based on my insecurity of hearing it, but being thoughtful that it could be hard for mm -hmm. your partner to hear. Like I have these other parts of me that I I might want to explore. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yep, yep, yep. All right. So we've had, okay, this is a question that we received some form of this several times. Okay. In some iteration of this. Okay. This is one particular. Thank you for telling us in your sex episode about the first time you and Abby slept together. But I have to know, Glennon, how did you know what to do? (laughs) (laughs) I I have to, I had to pick this one. We did get it a lot because it reminded me of, I have said this to people before because one of my uh, closest best friends from college, um, she came out to me like the year after college or something like that. And it was one of the, she just got her first girlfriend and we were talking and it was one of the first things I said to her. Like I honestly was baffled. Like I said, how did you know what to do? And she Mm -hmm. looked at me and she said, how did you know what to do? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. it, and it never had occurred to me how I knew what to do. And I realized that after that, that question is so, it's so packed because it suggests that like one way is natural and just known and like you're born knowing it. And the other way is somehow unnatural and abnormal. Mm -hmm. And you have to like, it's a product of science or something, but the other one (laughs) is just like a product of how we're made. And it, and then I just realized that the truth is that like for any kind of sex, like we all either found out what to do because somebody told us or because something showed us or because we just like fumbled through it enough to figure it yes. out. Yeah, exactly. Yes. That's how all of us figure out <laughs> That's sex. That's yes. whole thing. And two things about that. It's so funny when we think, well, yeah, I mean, heterosexual, you know, sex is just natural, right? Mm-hmm. So we just know what to do. But like, actually, I don't, when you think about it, like I, I, that doesn't actually make logical sense to me. I'm like, I have a vagina. Like <laughs> I have boobs. Like, wouldn't it be make more sense that I would know what to do there than opposite. Like I literally (laughs) don't even have a penis. Like why is it more natural that I would just know what the hell to do with the penis? (laughs) Yeah. Like logically it makes sense that I would know how to make a vagina feel good. Right. Like is all I'm saying. Like if you, if you take away the conditioning Mm -hmm. of heteronormative, it actually makes more logical sense. It's like when you when you feel when you feel music that makes you want to move. It's like, well, how do you know what to do? It's just like there's this if unless you're there's choreographed dance, right? Mm-hmm. So like you have to watch someone and be trained. Okay? So so that kind of sex the equivalent of that would be like the kind of sex we try to recreate when it's choreographed by porn culture, by movies. Like we have watched enough things to know, okay, I'm supposed to arch my back like this. I'm supposed to move like this. Like, this is what a woman does. This is what a man does. This is how I moan. This is how I say Like that's choreographed by our culture, mm-hmm. right? But there's also a different way to approach sex, which is where I think what we're trying to do. I mean, I'm ch- constantly trying to detox, untame myself from that, mm-hmm. from choreographed everything, Right. And just be like, well, what does my body want to do? Like, what noise am I naturally making here? Like, obviously, we know, silent sex queen. I haven't nailed that yet. But like, what? (laughs) Or maybe my natural self is silent, okay? But what I'm saying is the goal for me is to not know what to do. To just allow 
complete surrender. I think that is what ideal sex would be to me, just not tapping into anything that's been conditioned, right? That's all just like hearing the music and letting my body do whatever the hell it wants to do. Also, you guys, I just answered that question with so much, you know, uh, deep spiritual wisdom, but then I just remembered something that I feel like I have to say it because yeah, I always want to be as truthy truth as possible. So all of this, like, I just want my body to move with the music. I just had flashes of myself, like when Abby and I were preparing to meet each other in LA. And I remember reading this book on a plane about like what to do. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. That's how all of us figured it out. Like, I feel like that's honest. It's not like, because yeah. honestly, what my body wants to do. Yeah. My body wants to go to sleep or eat a cookie. Like, I don't know what yeah. my body knows what it wants to do. Okay. Right. So thank you. So I just needed to like, actually, I do remember being on a plane and reading some orange book that was like, it had uh, some information, helpful information about like oral sex. And I also remember putting it inside of a different book because <laughs> you could just, scared. you could also, you could also just say sex, by the way, you don't have to say oral. It's like, I think, I think that well, I, just I remember it was about that detail that I, was I know. Really, no, I, was, I, know. I was focused on that in the moment. Right. I just really wanted to be good at that. I know, but I just don't want to get, um, I think that in gay culture we get, uh, uh get, yeah, sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I just want to be clear that sex is sex, right? A heteronormative sex, like we, then it becomes whatever. Right. Um, I, I Thank you, babe. Thanks. That was good. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations in multiple systems, the more margin you have and the more of your hard-earned money you get to keep. But with higher expenses than ever on things like materials and distribution, everything just costs more. That's why smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. You'll reduce IT costs, you'll cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems, and you'll improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, and expenses don't slow down, so why should you? By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash hard things. Netsuite.com slash hard things. That's netsuite.com slash hard things. Okay. All right. Our last question is a write-in and it's been making me sweaty. So I, I wanted to avoid it. So, so I'm doing it. Okay. Um, what are the elements of sexuality you still want to explore? Um, okay, so I'm going to talk about this thing that I am completely still baffled and just desperately sweaty about that even with my own wife, she sometimes asks me to talk about. And I I don't know. Every time she asks me to talk about it, I want to like pull a fire alarm or like just fake a heart attack. Like I just want to do anything other than talk about the thing that she has brought up, which is this whole world of fantasy. 
Like when you say, what is your sexual fantasy? Like I am so confused (laughs) about sexual fantasy because, and here's what I'm going to say, because I'm reminding myself right now, Glennon, that you are in a basement bathroom, but there are so many people listening to you right now. Okay. (laughs) Um, I don't understand how we can have these sexual fantasies or that are so anathema, that are so opposite to who we are as human beings. Does this make sense to you? Like, Mm -hmm. like I, I'm just, I'm just talking about a friend right now. Okay. I'm just, I'm not even talking about myself. Okay. Mm -hmm. But like, Okay. Like just oh god. Oh god. This is normal. <laughs> this is normal. I don't know how to talk about this. Yeah. Like, I think what you're saying is is really interesting because you have sexual fantasies. Your problem is to say some of the <laughs> sexual fantasies you have out loud to me. But yes, that's what I'm saying. Because, because they yeah. feel so contrary to what like like if someone else said them, you'd be like, you're a horrible fucking person. Yes. Yeah, like, you're a bad person uh-huh. or you're not a feminist or yeah. you're not in love with your partner or you're right. not like they are things. And and also the part of fantasy that I don't trust or like that makes me feel like I have to keep everything like like they're shameful or something is that it feels to me like most things we dream of or we say I dream of this or I fantasize about this. It's something that you would want to happen in real life. Is it true, though, that you would want some of these things to actually happen? No. But we've already talked about that. So that's I know, why but, but I'm I get scared. That. I'm scared it's like a, a gateway drug to, to, uh, to, okay. to real life sex. Like, it's like, it feels to me like even if I said, okay, this is sexual fantasy that I have, but I don't want it to, to happen in real life. Like, is that believable? Like, is yes. that, is, ever, is everyone going to trust that? Yes. How many people that. do you need to trust that? Myself me. and Abby. Okay. So that's, me. that's pretty like, I don't know if, I don't know if Charles across the street is going <laughs> to trust it, but I don't think you care about that. Okay. So my general question about fantasies, uh, which uh, by the way, I need them. I need someone to answer them before I am willing to move on in this conversation. Okay. <laughs> yes. Anyway. First of all, it's very normal from what I've read to have sexual fantasies that are very almost almost even upsetting to you that are contrary to your belief system that are not. Um, uh, there's also in line. Right. They're not they're in, yeah. not in line. And I am a person who has spent her whole life trying to get integrated, okay? Who has been trying to, but 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 babe, I'm trying to explain why this is tricky for me. I'm not just being difficult. I'm saying the world, if, if the person asks, what are you interested in exploring? This whole idea of sexual fantasy is very interesting to me because it's out of integrity. Yeah, meaning- I get it, baby. I just think that like, in the end, part of this process is to keep learning and trusting yourself, that you are good and that you are allowed to have these fantasies no matter what the fuck they are. And that maybe you'll never want to share them with me, but that your fantasies are personal to you. And that's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. And and look, we'll take it slow. You don't have to tell me right now. Like maybe in our five-year wedding anniversary. Who knows? Mm-hmm, maybe. Well, well I, have, I have a question. If you have 
if none of your fantasies are to be acted upon and you don't want to see any of them in real life, then I don't, what, what, what good is a fantasy? (laughs) I don't understand the purpose of a fantasy. Exactly. Well, I think that's what I would like to know. Okay. That is what I would like to know. What is the purpose of a fantasy? Although I do think there might be a raised level of intimacy between two people, but just by sharing them. Mm. Yes. Is that the point? A a better sexual experience, knowing that maybe this is now going to connect us. Like maybe we're both thinking about the same situation that is not actually happening, but could be happening or that we're creating this fictional scenario that um, could peak a little bit of this interest for you. Like there's so many different ways to approach it, but in the end, this is still your fantasy. Right. And like, what is it worth? I don't know. I mean, Glennon, you, you live a very internal life. You live very much in your head. You live very much inside. And so to me, I want to experience every part. If you are willing, I want to experience every part of your internal world and your mind and the fantasies that you think of. Like, even if it's fleeting, like, I want to know everything if you're willing to share. Hmm. That's nice. I'm still, I mean. (laughs) (laughs) What is fantasy? What is the purpose? I don't get it. I understand if people are like, I have a fantasy to do X. Then maybe, yeah, maybe. I, I, can, I can understand that. Then maybe like you want to be brave enough to be like, want to do X? But if it's just this like obscure th- thing that you're imagining. But don't you think that a sexual experience is part of, like, it's part energy. It's not just the physical. It's imagining. Yeah. And it's imagining. So so when, when two people are in a sexual experience together, mm-hmm. if they're both, even if they're not doing anything, that's about this fantasy. They're just both imagining it. That can be completely enchanting Mm -hmm. and just arousing. Right. And sister, like, I think this could be interesting for you in the, in the wanting to explore more of your heterosexuality or just your sexuality in general is to think more deeply about some of these fantasies that you may or may not have. Like, I'm not trying to force them on you. Um, but that, even if it's not something to actually be acted upon in in real life, but it's something that you're envisioning or imagining during the act of sex, that's also an experience. Wowza, you guys. Whew. This is a hard <laughs> thing. I-X-L. Remember those three letters the next time your child asks you for help on homework. IXL Learning is an online learning community for kids that covers core subjects like math, science, and social studies in a helpful, feedback-driven way. So the fact that we cannot help our children with our homework now, which I actually cannot and stop being able to help them with after fourth grade, has been solved. IXL Learning's advanced algorithm is backed by research and in studies done in nearly every state across the country, Those who use IXL are consistently performing better in school. Plus, their subscription covers pre-K to 12th grade, and that wide range of ages and subjects is one of the many reasons why IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And We Can Do Hard Things listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash we can. Visit IXL.com slash we can if you cannot help your child with their homework anymore. And there, get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. 
Okay, you all, we could not choose one pod squatter of the week because we fell deeply, deeply in love with two pod squatters of the week. Um, We think you will too. Let's hear from our first pod squatter of the week. Jan. Bring it, Jan. My name is Jan, and I just have a comment regarding orgasm. I, I really think that we just complicate it so much. We're just in our heads and we're worried about our bodies and how we look and all these things. And at the end of the day, it really comes down to self-confidence and trusting your partner. And that's it. It's really simple. Just let go. Just relax. I, like everybody else, had terrible sex up till my 40th birthday. Um, I married my second husband. He came in my life with all of this confidence and a bag of tricks tricks I never knew existed um, and then I just followed him I was like you know what if he's telling me what he likes I'm going to tell him what I like too and I became a goddamn cheetah and I am <laughs> moaning and enjoying it and he makes sure I get an orgasm before he gets an orgasm and we use whatever we need to use and I have fun first, and then I take care of him, and we have a blast, and we have been doing this for 10 years. I'm going to be 50 years old, and I am having the best sex of my life. We just need to relax and be confident and just enjoy it. We're all beautiful. Love you all. Bye. Jan. Yes, You know what Jan did? What did Jan Jan do? Jan walked right on over to the other side. She made it into the exhibition. Yes, she did. And she, my favorite part of that um, whole thing, well, two parts, but my favorite part was, like everybody else, I had terrible <laughs> sex until I tur- until I was 40. I got that too. Like, I just love, it was so liberating. Yep, that's and right. She's 50. I, I liked the bag oh. of tricks part. All right. Mm-hmm. We apparently need to find mm-hmm. partners who actually care about our orgasm and will do, as she said, whatever it takes. And even if it, uh, even if what it takes is a bag of tricks. <laughs> and her right? sentiment, I love her sentiment. I think that one thing I would just um, add, she said, you know, to have conf- self-confidence and trust in your partner. I think that, I think that what ha- has to happen first, I mean, sometimes we do have self-confidence issues, but we have to trust ourselves. We have to really trust ourselves. And I think sometimes it, it helps when a partner can help you trust yourself. But what I heard through this is that she she finally just started to like settle into her own self and let somebody help her get there. But like, this is all on you, Jan. Like you yes, did this Jan. for you. You and did, did this you hear, for you. Did you hear her say she got, she said what she wanted. Too. Yeah. She yes. said what she wanted, Jan. Jan. She, Jan. Jan is a verbal sex queen, which is even better <laughs> than a silent sex queen. Okay, let's hear from our second pod squatter of the week. Maddie. Maddie. My name is Maddie. I'm a massive fan. Listen to you guys obsessively. Um, but I just wanted to say that I was listening to your um, podcast um, about, you know, the sexy questions, farewell to faking it. Um, and my check engine light came on. So while I was listening to it in the car, I ran to AutoZone and actually um, had someone check my check engine light and forgot about it. And when he got into my car and turned on my car to check it, um, the first thing he heard instantly was, <laughs> no, I've been faking orgasms my entire life. <laughs> and 
he kind of turned and looked and looked at me and looked back like, am I supposed to be listening to this? <laughs> and then I started fumbling my phone. I got my phone on the ground. I was trying to pause it and it just kept going and it was amazing. But it's just, it's hilarious to watch a grown man sit there with the most awkward face you've ever seen in your life not knowing what to do because the conversation was just so honest. I could tell he's never had an honest conversation like that before, um, but I just wanted to pass that along. Um, I love you guys. You guys are wonderful. Thank you for all that you do. You all, the the no more faking orgasms revolution has hit AutoZone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If we can make it there, y'all, we can make it anywhere. I yeah. just, I would love to have any footage of when that man went home that night. And the conversation mm-hmm. that ensued about giving a body shop whole new meaning, yeah. people. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Maddie, we love you. Thank you for that story. And everyone listening, we love you. We Can Do Hard Things is produced in partnership with Cadence 13 Studios. Be sure to rate, review, and follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, odyssey or wherever you get your podcasts especially be sure to rate and review the podcast if you really liked it if you didn't don't worry about it it's fine